Welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast. I am your host, Big Willow Tip. Shout out to Willow Tip Records. That uh that afterbirth album coming out today. Um, keeping me company. Shout out to my co-host who canceled on me last minute because they have a family, a uh, healthy social life, a career, um, uh, thoughts outside of the death metal spectrum, uh, and all that sort of thing. No, uh, in all honesty, man, shout out to all my co-hosts. Somebody had a last-minute cancelization on me today, but I still did uh, secure a um, special guest that we're going to get to in a few minutes, man. But um, in all seriousness, Willow Tip Records put out that in but not of album today, the uh, new Afterbirth album that we've been working on. I've been chronicling that here and there on the intros and outros of the show, man. Very proud just to be part of that experience and be working with them. I appreciate all the support. Urge everybody to go check that one out, man. It's a big lookout here. We are also working on um, Reek 2.0, the next Reeking Aura album, behind the scenes in the lab going forward. The guy's an exsanguinated. Uh, I'm at the top of my house. Right next to the uh, the the metal rooster with the the north south east west things like in the old barns with my binoculars, um, keeping an eye out for for the guys uh, and stabbed to come back from whatever shows they're playing, man. And eventually, me and those guys are gonna link up. We're gonna do this this exsanguinated album. It's gonna be a beautiful experience. Um, uh, beyond that, man, welcome back to the Heavy Hole Podcast. The fun never stops. I know lately. There's been some inconsistencies on the show, but we have secured a very special Halloween bonus episode uh, where we're talking about movies. We've been hitting you guys with the road to Halloween, but I had to hit you uh, and bring you guys two other special Halloween guests from the past of the show coming up in the future. We're going to hit you Halloween weekend with that and regular episodes. Um, Beyond that, look out for Spooky Fest. In New Jersey, I'm going to tell you all about that Reeking Aura, uh, October 27th at Spooky Fest. That's going to be great. And our own Amityville Music Hall, uh, November the 4th, Reeking Aura, Riparian from Pittsburgh, Animals Killing People from Brooklyn, Adam Rotella himself and Liquefied Insides. Uh, whether or not that has anything to do with our Halloween bonus episode, I'm not allowed to reveal. There will be another band at that show, 6 p.m. sharp, get there early. Um, but somebody who is also very familiar with the hallowed halls of uh, Amityville Music Hall, hall uh, the hallowed Amityville Music Hall himself, Tim Lippman, frontman of local band Carcosa, who we love so much. Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here with Long Island's Tim Lipman of the band Carcosa. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Hey, thanks for having me, Will. Really um, stoked to be here. Uh, of course, long time coming, man. Um, we're we're gonna get to it. I was just looking. Uh, I was, you know, I, like everybody, I was doing a little research and taking notes, and I was on your uh, Carcosa's Instagram. It was 2017 when Carcosa and Buckshot Facelift played Shakers. Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, just uh, that the the last few years just kind of like distorted um my my time frame. I can't believe it's been that long, but uh glad to have you aboard. And let's start right at the beginning, like we do with everyone else. Um, I said Long Island's tip, Tim Lipman. Are you originally from Long Island? I am. Yeah, I uh, grew up in West Islip, which is uh 
a little town sandwiched in between Bayshore and Babylon. All right, sort of Western Suffolk. Yeah, exactly, man. Um, I know, but for, for uh for the listeners, and I'm glad I got that wrong. I didn't want to. I didn't want to assume your um assume your county, assume your island. Um, Suffolk all the way. Are you um from a musical family? Anyone play an instrument in your family, or steer you towards hard rock music, anything of that nature, while growing up? Uh, yes and no. Uh, my dad's brothers both played uh instruments. Uh, not. I wouldn't say they were like a heavy influence. They were, you know, around here or there, but they weren't like singing or playing guitar in front of me much. Uh, my mom grew up with a piano. She always played. Uh, here and there, she encouraged us to play. Um, but really my parents are just like music fans. And so we always had music on in the car. Uh, we went on a lot of like road trips and stuff and kids as kids. And, uh, yeah, man, that's how we, uh, that's how we took it in. Okay. And I get, um, well, I, I don't want to assume anything, uh, anything about your, your musical path, but when did things get a little bit heavier and veer a little bit away from the more commercially available music? Oh, so when did it, when did it go underground? Yes, when did, uh, when did probably it? somewhere in like 97, 96, 97. I started listening to like more like, I guess, like street punk and a little bit of like crust punk stuff, like toxic narcotic or like the unseen stuff like that. Okay, man. And you and I are just, uh, you and I are probably from the same generation, I'd say. Um, uh 96 97 getting into crust punk and stuff like that what are uh some of your what are some of the avenues you're finding this stuff what are some of your haunts um did you go to any local record stores what were the venues that you were first being exposed to this stuff at oh yeah totally um well so i have no older siblings or like influences so it was it was literally kids my age finding it all at the same time when i was like 15 16 uh Growing up where I grew up, Looney Tunes was the uh, the local record store. Yeah, uh, it's an it's an okay record store, I guess. Uh, you know, it's legendary for the area. Um, and I just uh, I became hungry for it like instantaneously, and I started working my first job when I was fifteen, and any money I was getting, I was going over there and just buying as many CDs that had people looking like they were finger pointing and crowd surfing as as I could find. Yeah, man. I I went to Looney Tunes one time in the '90s. Um, shout out to John from uh, John Griven from uh, Monochromatic Black. Actually, went to Wilson Tech High School with me, and I went to visit him one time when we were in high school, and and we went to Looney Tunes Records. Man, that was a cool store. And I think they used to have shows there every once in a while, things like that. Remember? Yeah, they used to do like in stores. Ozzy Osbourne was there. The guy from Stain played on the roof to like ten thousand people or something. <laughs> That's awesome. Um. All right, man. It's cool. So I imagine it's a very easy pipeline from that to like the Long Island hardcore scene of that era. Hardcore was huge in Long Island at that point in time. There was a lot of bands. Did you get involved in any of those VFW shows and the that, that sort of thing? Um, or were, were you a little young for that? Uh, kind of. I, I missed the PWAC, um, although I could have gone, but I, I had no, you know, when you're 15, 16, you have no sense of geography. I had no idea that I was like three towns away from it the whole time. Yeah, me too. Uh, Same story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I don't know, like hardcore, like capital H hardcore, like Mashi hardcore kind of missed me until like my senior year of high school. But it was really just like um, 
like some of the street punk and cross punk that I mentioned, um, you know, like kind of more like scratch the surface bands, like a lot of the epitaph record stuff, you know, like no effects and Pennywise and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. And then I sort of turned somewhere, somewhere in my senior year or my junior year of high school, I turned the corner and I started going to more like uh real, like hardcore, hardcore shows. All right. Uh, drop, drop some of the, the, those first bands that you saw live at those shows. Well, the first, the first hardcore show that I remember being like, oh, this is a hardcore show was uh, at Center Reach VFW. That's uh, Eastern Long Island for the, for the listeners. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, Sick of It All. It was uh, this band Powerhouse from Los Angeles, uh, Indecision, and Kill Your Idols. I think maybe one more band or or that, that may have been it. I don't remember now. But that day, I actually saw Kill Your Idols twice that day. They played across the street in Santa Reach at a uh, place called the Roadhouse Pub with no redeeming social value. I went to that show first, saw Kelly Rattles, then like drove down the block or whatever it was and saw the, the Sick of It All show. And it was, I tried to dance at that show for the first time. I got my ass kicked. <laughs> that was a good time. Just to give the listeners an idea of Long Island hardcore in the late 90s, that's a pretty ridiculous story. That's awesome, man. And I could see how that could happen, man. There was one point where Internal Bleeding played three shows in one day through like Suffolk, Nassau, and Queens. And Chris told the Chris Prevellis told the story on the podcast a while ago. But in the 90s, there was a thing like that, man. There was a lot of shows. There was a lot of people. It was just its own. That's crazy, man. Yeah, the scene was definitely thriving, and you could you could often hit two shows in a day if you wanted without going into the city. I, I went to a show or two at the Roadhouse pub uh, many years. I vaguely remember that place, man. Um, it's like you say, when you're a teenager, you don't have as much of a sense of geography. Now, now I drive past all these places all the time. Like it's nothing, man. Um, so <clears throat> that's very like indecision, kill your idol, sick of it all. You're right there in the nineties. Do you now? I kind of know you from Carco. So like I said, at the top buckshot facelift and um, other bands I've been in have, have shared the stage with Carcosa, even shared members with Carcosa. Kyle of exsanguinated uh, is also a member of Carcosa. Um, that's where I know you from. What were you in any bands? Do you have any experience uh, with, with being in a band or, or like music before Carcosa? Uh, yeah. So, um, I started playing drums when I was, you know, like in middle school. So when I started getting into punk, I, that was like not long after I started playing like a full drum kit, I, you know, started meeting kids at shows and we started, uh, like a, a really, really sloppy, terrible punk band called Dangerous Parallel. Um, one of the dudes from that band ended up being in a, a band from Huntington called Ladderman for a while, uh, Ian Campbell. Um, I don't know if anybody else has done anything notable music wise. Um, but yeah, so we did that until I was probably, I don't know, I kind of got bored of it and, and quit the band. And then uh, a few years after that, like 2005, I started um, doing a band called In Times of War, which was kind of like a metallic tinged like 90s metallic tinged hardcore band um and we sort of evolved into like we started doing more like down tune db to stuff we started listening to like his hero is gone and tragedy and stuff like that a little bit more uh and that evolved into something darker but yeah that would that in times of war was the first one i started singing in and uh that one was pretty cool for a few years and then uh and then i had a little hiatus and then I started a band called The Monolith with our mutual friend, Chris Nolte. 
Um, and that was like a stoner sludge kind of thing. Um, and that's where I really started like uh, screaming more. And uh, did that for a few years. And then now we're uh, we're up to Carcosa. So tell me a little bit about how far you go back with some of the Carcosa guys um, and how that th those relationships form into the band. Uh, not far at all, actually. So uh, after I had done the monolith, I was asked to go try out for a band. And uh, I didn't know Kyle at all. Uh, the drummer asked me to the to the practice and I went to the practice and one of the guys didn't show up. They didn't have any songs together. It was kind of <laughs> haphazard, but I could tell Kyle, Kyle was there. I think he was wearing like, like a harm's way shirt or something like some kind of heavy, heavy, hardcore kind of shirt. And he could play guitar. I could tell that he could play well. So after that practice didn't go anywhere, I just sent him like a Facebook message. And I was like, let's do a grindcore band. And so that that was off and running. He pulled in Andrew, who you know was in Insanguinated with you for a while, uh, to play bass, and it was the three of us. And then I had to hunt down a drummer, and I knew Dan a little bit through the Incendiary guys. Uh, I had talked to him a couple times, um, but and I but like having been around the scene, I I knew so many drummers, so I was kind of like, I think he'd be perfect for it, but I didn't want to ask him because Incendiary was off and running. This was like 2014, 2015. Yeah, 2014. And uh, I was like, there's no way. Like, they're going and playing, like, big shows. Like, there's no way he's going to have time for this. So I went through, like, every drummer I knew. And nobody was really down. And then I came across him. And he said yes in, like, two seconds. And I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and nice. then we get together at trying to start a grindcore band. And the first thing he does is he plays a breakdown. And then we haven't we haven't been a grindcore band since. <laughs> drummers man yeah they're always they're always around to spread their talent um if you catch them at the right time man that we're talking about dan uh lamelli um uh from incendiary like you said he's a former guest of the show himself shout out to him nice guy uh so that's interesting you say the band started out with the idea of it being a grindcore band turns into a little bit of a hardcore band because now the band from from what i know you guys is more is kind of like i would describe you guys as kind of like a it's not I don't say it's death core. It's not what people would think of as like death core, metal core, whatever. It's more of like the old school tradition of death metal with a little bit of crossover. You know what I mean, man? Like I think crossover is a better description than death core. If, if that's more makes, fair, yeah. That makes sense. Like it's because it's a little bit, even though it's things that maybe uh they weren't using as crossover in the 80s and the 90s, it's that same spirit, I would feel like, if that makes sense. For sure, for sure. Yeah, we try to we try to mix it up like a little bit of sludge. A little, you know, we wear all of our influences, I guess. Um, we have no real. Yeah, I mean, I think about it all the time. What genre are we? <laughs> are we? We play all kinds of shows. We played post hardcore shows, like indie shows. We played like grindcore shows. We played stoner shows, death metal shows, hardcore shows. We don't discriminate. We you definitely don't. Uh, you might know where I'm going, man, because um, I I got to address this. You guys opened up for Corrosion of Conformity and Danzig. Yeah, we did at Huntington's Paramount Theater several years ago. If I remember, I did ask Dan about that and get his take. Uh, but it's been a while. Let's get your perspective 
on that first okay. of all, man, because I just want to like, I want to like take me through being in an underground band here on Long Island. You're not necessarily at the point where you're playing huge shows yet or whatever. And someone says, do you want to open up for Glenn Danzig? Like what, you know, take me through that whole thing. And then how, how was the, obviously you didn't knock them out like the other band out there, but <laughs> just take me through the experience. And if you even got to like be in the same room with him or meet the guy or anything, I don't know. Like, how was the whole thing? Yeah. So, uh, well, first of all, shout out to Christian McKnight who reached out about booking us. Uh, you know, when we, when we put out the demo, I just kind of gave it to my friends and like whatever happened, happened. Uh, I had reached out to Christian about a different show that he didn't think would work. And he came to me with that. And I was like, I mean, to be honest, like I'm not a fan of dancing or the misfits, but I mean, you can't say no to something like that. So we were like, hell yeah. Uh, Corrosion of Conformity sick. Uh, they were, it was when uh, Pe Pepper Keenan just came back. Sick. Uh, Mutoid Man played. It was cool. Uh, it was definitely an experience to play at like uh, the Paramount, which is, you know, for those who don't know, like the, the only large venue on Long Island. Uh, you know, I think it's like 3,000 people or something like that. Um, who weren't there, by the way, when we played. But they were there later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was cool. Uh, I did kind of meet him for a second. Um, uh, we watched a bit of Danzig Soundcheck. Uh, and uh, when you play at the Paramount, there's like a loading elevator. So we were waiting to load in. And he uh, he came down the stairs and he, he kind of was like chest to chest with me. And he asked me if I was Mutoid Man's manager which uh, I, I didn't really know how to react to it. I just said no, but I thought it was hilarious later just because they'd been on tour. You'd think he would know the guy by now. But, but uh, not necessarily. It was, it, was, it was definitely a cool experience. Um, I would love to play there again with somebody with less, like, restrictions. <laughs> we had to kind of, we weren't allowed to be backstage past the, uh, after Mutoid Man had finished. So that was kind of a bummer, but... Uh, but when we when we started, you know, they had free beers in the in the backstage area and all the stuff. I filled a backpack with beer and I Sweet. snuck it onto the stage. And then after it was all where we had beers. But yeah, we did. And then we joined like the general population and we weren't cool anymore. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I you know, I I tried. But it was definitely worth it. Like it was cool to play such a big place. Um, you know, my parents came to that show. That was sick. If people had danced, I think my mom would have gotten kicked. Uh <laughs> But yeah, man, it was cool. Like uh, a few friends came out. It was it was good. I, I don't know how many people were there. It, you've played in front of big crowds with, with barricades before, right? Um, yes, but more more as like a like those little fish that hang on to a, a whale and get a free ride or whatever. Like I was one of those for a much bigger tour package. But yes. Oh, okay. Well, you know, nobody knows who we are, and people get there super early and get to the front of that barricade. And I, I never really thought about it before going to bigger shows, like how early those people get there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're playing, and I'm looking out into the crowd. And I, I I looked at the same girl like three times, and she just looked at me like we were destroying her weekend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was it was the it was the it, it was the best. She just wanted honestly, if I didn't have that, it would have been not as great of a story. That girl probably had the same look for corrosion and conformity. She probably just was mean mugging everybody. Oh yeah, they were they were there to see dancing and dancing yeah. only. <laughs> I want, that's one thing that um was a big learning curve for me when I when I did uh the first kind of bigger tour that that one of my bands opened up for, and we realized you know, that load in was at like two in the afternoon sometimes, and you would so because first of all now you're waking up much earlier and you're really trucking to make sure you get there on time. 
and you're at the venue all day and you see like Black Dahlia murder uh, had people lined up in the middle of the afternoon. You know what I mean? Waiting to get into their shows that started at 7 or 8 p.m. like a normal show would, you know, as you know, there was and 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 there's, uh, you know, Cannibal Corpse and those bands. There's there's people that tailgate all day. And, you know, it's it's a part of the game that you don't necessarily see as shakers <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, if a band if a band gets the shakers early, they got to kill some time, man. That's that's a that's that that's a uh, a long afternoon sometimes if you get the shakers before the show starts. For sure. Uh um. All right, man. I I had to ask you about that. I'm going. I'm gonna go see uh. Whitechapel and uh, uh in flames and Meshuggah there in December at the Paramount. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's a show I would truck out to the city for, but if it's right in my town. You know, I, I got it. I owe it to the podcast listeners to at least talk about it, man. Um, maybe I'll see you there. Maybe not. I'm not going to blame you either way. I don't know. Maybe if I get word that Inflames is going to play some uh, 90s stuff. I, I, You never know with them, man. I can't. I was telling somebody else, too. I was telling um uh, our co-host Ian the other day, just like, I'll, I want to give them a chance because I feel like I only judge them based on like a few albums that aren't their best albums. So I, I, I want to go back and really give them a solid chance. Um, but what the early records, man, changed that that stuff. Like, I didn't know about at the gates yet, but that stuff like changed the way I thought about music. Mm. I was starting to get into like some metalcore stuff, but then I heard that and I was like, oh, "Fuck, this is like Iron Maiden, but like totally jacked up." Well, let's let's talk about it because the like like I said before, our mutual friends um are more people from the hardcore punk side of the scene and. Uh, you just said, you know, you, you uh, that 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 at the gates and in flames changed the way you're looking at music a little bit. Um, I wanted to talk about that getting into death metal coming from the more Long Island hardcore scene and perspective, and you no doubt have seen the scene change in the last several years and how it's become more like integrated and genres don't like mean much less. But when you were getting into like death metal and grindcore, it was probably still a little bit more separate, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it is still pretty separate. I mean, certainly the metal scene out here is not nearly as big as the uh, as the hardcore scene. Yeah. I mean, when you see a packed out hardcore show here, it's like, where did all these people come from? I've never seen any of these people in my life. And you go to a metal show, if it's packed out, you still pretty much know everybody there. It's the same. It's the same heads just going for years, you know? You just you told some... me. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Part of it, I don't not to interrupt you, but you just totally flipped my perspective on me because you're absolutely right. I just don't go. Not that I have a rule where I don't go to hardcore shows, but lately I don't really I haven't been going to a lot of shows in general just because I've been busy. And um, I do go to death metal shows primarily. That's my thing. So it's like you're absolutely right. I didn't have I didn't have the perspective maybe to to make that statement. So, yeah, keep going. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where I was about to take that, but I will say. The hardcore uh, a lot of the hardcore new the new bands like the scene is thriving there are so many different bands um i don't know like if anybody cares so much that the bands are metal bands versus like whatever it's going to be you get some mixture again that we haven't seen in a while um yeah it's interesting man uh the kids are uh having their say as it as, it, as they say I, oh yeah, dude! Every generation that's coming up, the like the last several years, it's uh, um, they're doing something a little bit more different. They're not afraid to break some new ground. Like I see uh, Hospital Bomber and uh, Pink Mist and Raid. There's a whole different little undercurrent of younger bands on Long Island now, man. And I can't even really 
um, uh, not that I don't understand. Like, I don't, you know, I'm just, I'm on a different generation than them, man. Like they're doing their own thing. I'm not supposed to necessarily understand everything that's going on, man. They're, they're, they're kind of, they're not conforming a lot of these bands to the same, uh, genre boundaries that, that, um, I, you know, you or I might've grown up with in the nineties, man. And it, it's cool, man. And it's like, also to kind of steer the conversation back to Carcosa, maybe, uh, I like the way that people are embracing death metal and hardcore, but not necessarily in like the Lamb of God way. Now, you know what I mean, man? Not to take anything away from Lamb of God, but uh, uh, I like the way that things are going back towards the raw, the more like when when Swedish death metal had maybe a more punk tone. You, so you talked a little bit about street punk and things like that that you're into. Did you find maybe like a kindred kind of sound or something familiar in Swedish death metal in that element? Oh, I mean, definitely in the beginning. I mean, Kyle and I um, would just listen to music together. And it was, we were, you know, I was a little bit late to to death metal uh, because I was more into punk and hardcore. But, you know, so we were sort of getting into or, or experiencing some of like, uh, you know, Entombed and Grave and Dismember and all that stuff kind of together. Um, and not that I hadn't listened to death metal to that point, but, but we were sort of listening to it differently. I guess we were absorbing it differently. Him being younger, I think it was probably even better, but huh. yeah. Uh, to definitely a kindred thing happening there. And then we were also listening to a lot of like, you know, all pigs must die, which is members of like the hope conspiracy and convergence stuff. And it's like darker brooding hardcore. Like we like that kind of stuff. Like we like angry, broody, dark, hardcore bands or metalcore bands whatever you want to call it but that's the stuff yeah there's an element of rawness that's been coming back lately that i really like man i think the younger generation appreciates that um and you were talking a little bit about the shows you guys were playing uh you guys do you know you play with hardcore bands death metal bands um you've, you've been playing out here and there lately and i see you do have a show coming up uh it should be for the listeners it's going to be saturday the 21st of october uh which should be either a, maybe a day or a week from when you listen to this depending on what friday we upload this on at the uber greek uh brewing at 400 hallett avenue in riverhead new york i got that right uh it's uber geek but yeah uber geek. Got, got sorry Oofer geek, man. I got I got to clean my glasses. Flow State Booking presents uh the Flow State Fright Fest featuring Carcosa, uh Exhale, Summon the Plague, shout to them in Lucid Dreams. Um costumes encouraged. So I just want to get that out there for for the listeners. $10 at the door, $6 door, $7 music. I think that, I think that does everything. What I notice about this and I really like it's in Riverhead. Um not only is that a is it, it's a I guess I I take it this is a brewery but the idea that, like, for the listeners, this is even further east um, than Shakers. This is like Long Island proper. This is, you know, you're not you have you have to try to get that far out into Long Island if you're from the city. Um, how'd you it's guys? Props from Long Island, man. Yeah, no, I love it. How'd you guys get hooked up with that? Uh, that band uh, Exhale that's on there. Um, they're the way I understand it. Although I, this is more like they came to Dan with the show, but. They're trying to just, you know, build build a better scene out east, and there's not a lot going on out this way. So we're more than happy to oblige, and uh, should be a great time. Love it, man. That's beautiful, man. Um, I'm definitely going to try to make that one. 
Just the idea that of shows in Eastern Suffolk County is beautiful. Shout out to all our city people. We love them. But you guys don't like coming out here just as much as we don't like going out there, man. It's just the traffic. You know, it's nothing personal. Um, uh, so one other thing I wanted to bring up now with Carcosa, you guys have worked. Um, correct me if you I did your work with um, State of Mind Recordings on this latest Wrath of the Tyrant EP. Uh, no, actually, we only did the self-titled EP that came out, uh, I guess it was 2016 or 17. Um, we did that one with State of Mind. And then we, uh, when we got to the Wrath of Tyrant, we just kind of wanted to, I mean, putting out a tape is easy. I don't, I don't know if anybody's ever tried it before. You fill out a form, you get some artwork together, you send it off and you have a tape a few weeks later and, uh, they're not expensive. And uh, yeah, we recorded that ourselves in our practice space. You know, we did the whole thing DIY. Um, not that Dave's not doing things DIY. Shout out to Dave Campbell. But um, yeah, I don't know. We just went with our own thing on on the last couple couple releases. Fair enough. We're, uh, we're sort of like um, a hobby band in a way. Like, uh, you know, we're all in other projects uh, with the exception of myself. And uh so this is we're like the hyper local, like we just want to like be like the local band that comes out and kicks the shit out of you. And that's what we do. We play like four or five times a year. And uh, you know, we'll it takes us forever to write five or six songs. And when we do, we put out an EP. Fair enough, man. You and I, if if uh, well, all I'll say is that you you and I are both kind of um behind behind the scenes. We gotta we gotta check every time like a show offer comes up, make sure Stabbed isn't doing anything, man. You know, Stab Stabbed is always the big dogs on the scene, man. Shout out to them. Um uh, but they're those those guys are very busy. So if you're in a project with some of those guys, sometimes you can't uh you can't always confirm all the bookings you're offered and things like that. Man, I I, I know how that goes with them. And then also with Danby and Incendiary, that's like another factor, right? A little bit. They very rarely stepped on. Actually, neither band has really stepped on whatever opportunities we've had for the most part. Uh, Incendiary does like only a couple weekends a year. Um, they have like a, one of the most amazing touring systems I've ever heard of. It They're out maybe seven to ten days a year or something like that. Really? Yeah, that's it. That's... Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm off a little bit on the number, but it's not crazy. I have no reason to argue that, man. It just seems like, like in my mental, like my in my memory, like they have a bigger uh, footprint than that. I don't <laughs> just because they're they're for uh, a band as big as they are, you would think they'd be playing like nonstop. But yeah, yeah they'll yeah. go and do like the festival circuit in Europe, and then they'll like hit like the Pacific Northwest or like down like the Florida Georgia area, whatever you call that. You know, the hype work. They'll hit like an area. Yeah, yeah, dude, and they're good enough live, man. Yeah, and a shout to the Stab guys. I'm busting balls here, man. Stab has ruined tons of opportunities for Ex Exsanguinated would probably be around as big as Cannibal Corpse or Deicide by now if Stab would just step aside. <laughs> uh, but like, I'm just joking. Um, I love those guys. Uh, but Long Island is is very incestuous like that. Everybody's in everyone else's bands. You got a band, you're gonna end up having you're sharing a drummer or bass player or something with somebody or filling in or whatever um that's just that's just always how it goes and uh with that being said tim we, we we talked about um the wrath of the tyrant ep in 2020 that was the latest release you just kind of described the band uh how you, how you guys don't necessarily have like a very busy writing schedule are there plans for any other releases uh or anything coming out soon beyond this show that we just hyped 
Uh, definitely. Uh, actually, that show will likely be the last show of the year, um, unless something, you know, very juicy comes along. But, uh, you know, that being said, it should be, we plan to put like, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 songs together for an LP. We, we've been trying to write a full, full length record, I think, since the beginning. And we get like five or six songs in and realize like, oh, it's taken us like a year and a half to do this much. <laughs> let's let's release something, <laughs> you know, so we try to we've been pretty good about getting things out every like two years or so. I I, I can relate with with projects I've been in, man. I hear you. Man. So um, that being said, then I'm going to tell people uh, we're just going to plug again for Saturday, the 21st of October. Um, you guys are going to be playing in Riverhead, New York at the Uber Geek uh, brewing. Um, that's ten dollars at the door, six dollars door, seven 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 uh, six six p.m. door, seven p.m. music. Excuse me. Carcosa with exhale, summon the plague, uh, and in lucid dreams, the flow state fright fest. Wear a costume. Go ahead. Um, that being said, and also you can check out uh Carcosa on Bandcamp, uh, or wherever you um stream music. I would imagine Wrath of the Tyrant is the most recent release. Um, I'm just going to say this quickly, listening back to Wrath of the Tyrant again today, um, uh, as I said, it's crossover in a, in a more modern way where I feel like you guys are bringing back elements of that old classic Swedish death metal and kind of cryptic death metal, uh, but, but also with a more New York hardcore sensibility, a down to earth, uh, uh, mentality without sacrificing composition or songwriting. I don't want to embellish too much because Kyle's in a band with me, but I feel like uh, there's a there's an element to the songwriting and the guitar. There's some melody and some lead work in the guitars that really drives home that crossover metal aspect and doesn't just make it sound like metal core or whatever would want people to do, if that makes sense. So that, I just want to leave people with that um, before we get into the music recommendations that you procured. But is there anything else uh, before we, we, we kind of close off the Carcosa conversation? Uh, no, man. Um, you know, you mentioned the show, I'd say just keep a lookout for a record that uh, we'd probably start, start the show cycle again sometime in 2024. So just be on the lookout for that stuff. Okay. Uh, absolutely, man. And then with that being said, um, you send me your recommendations ahead of time, which I appreciate, man. A lot of times people spring them on me and I don't even know what's going on, but I had the chance to listen to them today. So this is fun. Um, uh, uh start off with whichever one you want. Okay. I mean, we'll start off with the old one, I guess. Sure. Uh, which is uh, Cattle Press, um, Hordes to Abolish, uh, to Abolish the Divine. Uh, came out in 2000. Uh, the band's from Brooklyn, New York. Um, I don't know a lot about them. I came into them only a few years ago. Uh, but the record came out on Hydrahead Records. Uh, if you're not familiar with that label, it's it's owned by Aaron Turner of Isis and Sumac. Um, and he's got a lot of, you know, the ISIS catalog up on that label, um, and Cabin and some other stuff like that. Uh, this is like, Cattle Press is like sludgy metalcore, I guess, for lack of a better description. It, it's got like a lot of ne neurosis elements in there, but it's also, it's like neurosis for guys who want to mosh, I uh. guess. I saw a picture of them and they look like guys from Brooklyn, which is cool. They didn't look like, you know, like uh, from guys from Brooklyn from before gentrification. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not, I mean, not hipsters, but like, 
Brooklyn was a different thing in the 90s than it is today, man. But whether you love it or hate it, it's true, you know? Yeah. So they look like people who grew up in the area, which is cool. They don't look like uh, like they're trying to be artsy or anything like that, even though they put out a pretty, I don't know, artful record, I think. There are plenty of bands that are from Brooklyn by way of Western Pennsylvania and Ohio, and that's fine. Um, you know, when, when everyone, when everyone in your band relocated to Brooklyn from some other state, it's hard to like, what are you going to put? You're not going to list out every state everyone's from, you know what I mean? I get it. I'm not judging anybody, but, but I point taken about these guys. Yeah. So, uh, and, uh, actually, uh, Sean McCann, who is, uh, uh, the bassist for uh, another Long Island band, Celebrity Murders. Uh, he was in Most Precious Blood for a while. This, I guess maybe was his first band. I'm not sure. Uh, I know he's been, he's in that death metal band, The Dying Light, also. Mm. Uh, so that may have come first. I'm not I'm not clear, but uh, and some uh, some interesting things on the Wikipedia for for members. You should go check that out, Will. When you uh, <laughs> when you have some free time, there's a couple uh, interesting names that were crossed out on that list. I'll leave that for the listeners to go look up on their own. Uh, I don't know anything about it, but it's interesting. I'll just say that. Um, hey. The other record, uh, the new record, is uh, this band Evil from Japan. Uh, the record's Possessed by Evil. Uh came out in 2020. Uh, it's like blackened thrash metal, I guess. It's got like pretty barky vocals, like everything's pretty short. Uh, occasionally he'll drop like a, like a high-pitched you know, like 80s thrash, like, yeah, Anya. But um, yeah, man, uh, that came out on Nuclear War Now. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really know a lot about that band. I just know that that shit rips and I like anything that's fast. And it's fucking awesome. And you should check it out. Oh, um, yeah, man, I want to address each of those recommendations, both great recommendations. Cattle Press, I got now, now you're, you intrigued me a little bit because I got to read into this. Um, uh, whatever is going on with ex-band members and stuff like that. Cattle Press, admittedly a band I didn't know much about, kind of more like on my peripheral uh, knowledge of, of New York bands from back in the day. I did hear a song or two of theirs um, on a compilation maybe somewhere or some sort of like mixed mixtape or, or, or something, man. Um, and I remembered it being a lot more lo-fi and sludgy uh, th- that this release that you recommended to me flipped everything I really thought about them, and I said, "What a what a fucking underrated, um, not as uh you know remembered as it should be New York. I'm gonna say New York hardcore release, uh, hard you know or Long Island hardcore release or Brooklyn hardcore release, whatever you want. Uh, not Long Island hardcore release, obviously, but in terms of like sonically that sound." Um, I mean, it's not your traditional New York hardcore, like your agnostic fronts and Madball, obviously. It's, but it's very, uh, right on the nose for late 90s. Um, you know, if you were a guy, if you were into the bands like Converge, if you were into the bands like, you know, like Indecision, if you were into like, um, uh, 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 I even feel like I heard just a slight bit of Candiria in there. Uh, not yeah. just with the experimentation, but with the groove and the like, there was just something so 90s about this shit, man. Oh my god, yeah, it's like it's like mathy and sludgy at the same time, somehow. Yeah, and it's it all sick shit. it all is enveloped in some some form of New York 90s hardcore. Um, but but the, the you know, the late 90s style, not the old school, more punk influenced style. It's just there's a there's kind of like a street level toughness underneath it all. It's it's a fucking brilliant release, man. And I 
Um, you definitely flipped it on me. I never gave this a proper listen. I never really sat down and checked out this band and researched them as much as I should. They've always just kind of like I always thought of them as maybe in the in the collection of like New York's answer to whatever power violence was in the '90s. Like I've talked about Millhouse, I've talked about um, CR, but this this band for some reason always escaped me. So I'm glad you brought this in. I'm definitely gonna spend some time with this release and encourage the listeners to check them out. Um, uh, I see there's an interview or two available when I Google them, so I'm going to spend some time later and, and check that out, man. Um, Evil, on the other hand, uh, that's a day. That's a bad, like, I, again, I go check out the Nuclear War Now. Uh, admittedly, the Nuclear War Now catalog, I check out a lot because he seems to list new stuff almost daily, and he buys out collections, I would imagine, from people because he just pops up with random shit on that website that you're not going to see. It'll be up there for a little while, and then it's, it's sold. You know, he, old bootlegs and uh, all sorts of uh, used stuff. and um, So I do keep, a, keep abreast of what Nuclear War now has uh, from time to time, and I've seen this band Evil advertised. Never checked them out. Really cool shit, man. And we were talking in the interview just earlier about um punk street punk crust punk that kind of parallel between the older swedish death metal and some punk uh and this right here when i listened to it i said wow this is when you listen to that intro track it's like that kind of old school iron maiden uh from back in the day punk almost like like almost like really like really raw treading the line between heavy metal and punk really cool shit man like you said the guy does the the falsetto voice every once in a while it's that kind of black metal that is like just balls to the wall nostalgic uh you know for making the rawest form these guys aren't like a symphonic black metal band they're not an over the top grandiose like technical uh composition based black metal band it's more like you could picture them dressed like motorhead or something you know what i mean it's that that kind of like sex drugs rock and roll black metal or whatever you know really wild shit man it's fun yeah dude that that yeah and great reference with motorhead there's definitely those riffs in there uh at times i think you hear like a you you it almost sounds like they the 80s didn't happen and they evolved somehow from black sabbath and just happened to land on the on the the speed movement when everybody else did if you didn't know better if you didn't know that it was from 2020 yeah that could be like an 89 record that even the especially the way it's recorded too I was just going to say the production, man, like sonically, it sounds old school and old fashioned. Man, This is the kind of black metal uh, that I could listen to a lot. I, I enjoy this. Man, It reminds me. It, you know, there's a little bit more going on here. I'll say there's there's a band that's definitely more stripped down and more punk than this. But in spirit, I don't know if you would be familiar with Dishammer from Spain at all. No, it's a couple of guys. I don't know exactly. There's there's. There's the band Machetazo from Spain, which is a little bit um, longer running and, and more well known. Um, and those guys have a number of side projects and other bands that they're involved in. And one of them was Dishammer. And it's really, I think they, like, it was just like, simply put, it's supposed to be Discharge meets um, Hellhammer. So it's it like, you know what I mean? So it's just like, again, it's that, it's that black metal that just comes from old school punk hardcore in a yeah. way. That's a great combo. Um, yeah, so I, that 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 came to mind with this this band Evil. Um, that 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 recommendation, man. But uh, both solid recommendations, man. And that cattle press, something uh, like you said, the listeners can go back and do their own research. I see uh, some interviews pop up and things like that. Undercredited band. Maybe I'll try to get an ex band member 
on there. You said who who was it? Um, there was a guy in that that was in Celebrity Murders and in The Dying Light. Yeah, his name's Sean McCann. Sean McCann. Maybe we got to reach out to him, man. That's an interesting uh, resume right there. The Dying Light definitely well worth a listen. Their drummer's name escapes me at the moment, but they had a really original, interesting drummer who's been in a number of bands. Yeah, they were like uh, they had like a progressive element to them, if I remember. Yeah, I'm not trying to flex, but Biolich had the opportunity to open up for them one time back in the day, and they were amazing. Their drummer is really different, really good, really different, and he's one of those drummers where you watch him and and you kind of want to check out his other stuff because he's just got his own thing going on, man. Um, uh, but that being said, I encourage the listeners again to check out both of those bands we checked out, all those bands we checked out, as well as the Wrath of the Tyrant uh, EP by Carcosa, which came out in 2020. Be on the lookout for that new material whenever you guys do it. And, of course, for that show on the 21st of October in Riverhead, New York. Uh, follow Carcosa on social media for more. Tim, um, anything else that we neglected to bring up or promote or any parting words for listeners of Carcosa and followers of the podcast? No, nah, man, I think we covered it. We're losers. We don't really have much going on. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just want to say thank you so much. I know I've been listening literally since the first episode of this podcast. So super excited to be on with you. It's an honor. Thank you for the support, man. We appreciate you. And I appreciate everyone out there that's been hanging with us. Um, I know the la this last year has been a little bit crazy with the podcast. We're just trying to keep it on the tracks. We didn't want to go on hiatus or do anything crazy. Uh, you know, with Tom moving and and um, you know, J Justin taking. Uh, Justin takes a. Justin does does more than just fish and hang out with no shoes on. That's just kind of like the persona we give him on the podcast. So it's been a lot this year, man. I thank you and everyone else for hanging with us here on the heavy hole, man. Appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate your time, Tim. Thank you very much, man. Hopefully, I'll see you at the brewery next week. Hell yeah, man. We'll see you there. Okay, and we're back, man. Thank you so much to Tim Lippman. Uh, appreciate his time, his recommendations. We hope everyone goes and checks out all the music that we just talked about um, in that interview, man. And I also have secured uh, two recommendations. I, I scrambled through my past, um, like uh, like Dewey Cox. I took a minute and thought about every single moment of my life before I started doing this podcast and selected two hot recordings that maybe you have or haven't heard. Maybe I've talked about them on the pod podcast in the past. Maybe I haven't. I don't know. I don't have many brain cells left. Just enough to press play and rewind on the old tape deck. That's all I need. Um, uh, so right now, um, I want to bring you the first rec first of two recommendations. Um, and this one is, this is special. I found this at a, like a used CD store. There was like used CD stores, like not even, not thrift stores, not used, just like specifically used CD stores. I don't know if it was a CD warehouse. Um, but those were a big thing in the late nineties and early two thousands when CDs were like losing value, I guess, but still people were still buying. So like you could go to these CD warehouse type places and really clean up. Um, but according to Metal Archives, my constant source, cephalectomy, 
C-E-P-H-A-L-E-C-T-O-M-I-R-Y from uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, not a slam band uh, with that name. Um, formed in 1997. I'm going to talk about their Signs of Chaos full length from 2000 right now. Um, this and, and it's a band where you, you probably just want to go check out whatever you can find by them. Um, a really interesting group. If you're familiar, here's the key. You have to have... Uh, a a prerequisite, a pre, pre a, a prerequisite. You can tell I'm not a college educated man. You have to have a prerequisite in classic Sylvain Howd era cataclysm to understand the finer nuances of cephalectomy's work. Um, they, what cephalectomy does is they um, they play what I would say northern uh, hyperblast uh, grind or, or yeah, true northern Mr. Grind is what it says here in their CD layout. So it's obviously some sort of homage to um, Cataclysm. If you look on the front cover, there's just... And, and, and musically, there's it's unmistakable, man. And it's... Um, uh, it's it's definitely... It's 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 a tribute. It's an inspiration, I think, to that era of Cataclysm when they were doing that hyper blasting crazy stuff. But there's also some other very original takes and influences on here um, outside of that realm. This is a, a great band. I do believe they were using uh, programmed drums on a lot of recordings. Um, it was probably just two guys in the band for most of the band. But this is um, a relic from the late '90s. Uh, a band doing, um, one guy doing all the music and the drum programming, one guy doing the vocals and the lyrics, band doing kind of a tribute, an, ins an inspired kind of project based on another band that was at that time fairly obscure. Um, an era of a band that was fairly obscure anyway in, in the early Cataclysm. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I just want to drop this on you guys. Signs of Chaos by Cephalectomy, released in November 2000 on Discorporate Music. Um, it, 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 I found this CD luckily in a used CD place. It hasn't been reissued. Um, you know, I don't know where, where you could, you could probably look this up. Maybe it's on your streaming platforms or on a YouTube channel, but definitely look up anything you can get your grubby hands on, uh, by cephalectomy from Nova Scotia. I'm curious if any of our Canadian listeners, um, know anything about this band or the history of this band, because this is something cool to check out. Tom, Please bring us a little bit of cephalectomy, man. I appreciate Tom always keeping me company when the co-host can't <laughs> Man, Nor uh, northern, um, uh, uh, northern, true northern Mister Grind. Now we're gonna get into um, something a little bit different, man. I, I'm I'm still going international on this one, man. Squash Bowels, um, legendary, iconic Polish grindcore band. Sometimes gore grind, sometimes grindcore. Let's not split hairs. Uh, uh, they've, as everyone knows, they've gone on to release a number of albums. They've been on. Um, some very notable labels. They've they've done tours. They've been around. They've just established themselves very well through the 2000s. After spending the 90s being more of maybe a cult 
underground gore grind band associated with acts like Hemorrhage and um, Dead Infection and, and that school uh, of, of, of grind uh, and that, that generation. I want to take it all the way back to 1990. Hold on a second here, man. Um, doing doing the doing the uh, uh, the research in real time. Ninety six. I was gonna say I had I would have had it right. I want to talk about the international devastation promo tape. Um, this was brought up. Uh, it is going to be brought up in one way or another on our Halloween bonus episode coming to you very soon. Although we do not. Uh, we reference it. So now I'm going to recommend it and give you guys a little context. This is judging by some of the song titles, the uh, the name itself, the you know the the vibe of it. This is uh, one of their more grindcore type of releases. Squash Bowels, in my opinion, always kind of skirted the fence between gore grind and grindcore. Um, but this recording in particular is it's it's. Mm. I want to say it's perfect for me. It's perfect for my sensibilities as a gore grinding grindcore fan. This, um, the 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 bass and the guitar sit in kind of a, a milky bass heavy soup. The the drums, it doesn't have a ping snare. It just has this kind of you know uh, uh, proper kind of stomping, uh, stomp and bash '90s grindcore sound. The vocals here though are very special. That's what what the I believe I believe like the the personality of this particular release is the vocals. Um, they bounce between a few different styles, as a lot of grindcore bands do. It's very satisfying, I think, when you have a grindcore band that uses like a scream, uh, a roar, so to speak, and maybe a, a vocal effect from time to time and alternates them. Um, there's there's just something so beautiful about this. And in my heart, this is a gore grind release, even though I know it's not. So don't argue with me about it. I, I know I know it actually isn't gore grind internet guy. But um, just the sound of it, the bass, the guitar, the way everything melts together, the low end. And when you do have those more guttural and pitch shifted gore grind style vocals that come in. Um, it, it's, it, this is just uh, everything. Maybe, maybe this is also speaks to how it, there wasn't necessarily as hard... Uh, barriers as hard lines between certain subgenres of grind and gore grind and gore noise and what constitutes what back in the day. I don't want to get into that whole conversation, especially not without a co-host or someone to bounce ideas off of. But I do want to bounce this demo, um, or I should say maybe promo tape, off of all the listeners right now. My second recommendation today, International Devastation 1996 Demo by Poland's Squash Bowels. All right, um, give it give it a listen for yourself. Thank you very much to our guest today, Tim Lipman, man. Appreciate him. Please check out Carcosa. Um, uh, again, check check them out at um, Uber Geek Brewing uh, in Riverhead, New York, alongside Exhale, 
Summon the Plague, uh, and, and Lucid Dreams, Costumes and Courage. That is Saturday, 10-21-2023, uh, which will probably be a few days or um, the day after when this episode is published. Man, we're trying to get all the episodes on the production line right now. But check out uh, Carcosa. Look for their past releases. Keep your eye on them. We appreciate Tim. Um, in addition to that, I'm going to remind you guys to check out Spooky Fest, New Jersey. Um, that's going to be on the 27th of October, the 28th and the 29th. Reeking Aura is going to be opening, uh, opening up, uh, opening night anyway, I should say. We're going to be playing, I think, uh, third or fourth in the evening. The 27th, uh, at 8 p.m., the show starts at the Meat Locker in New Jersey. Uh, uh, it says, finally, a fest for the freaks and weirdos with vendors, organizations, nonprofits, and mutual aid in the basement. Spooky Fest, New Jersey. <coughs> Pardon me. De- you already know I'm going to New Jersey, man. Shout to gutter. Devil Master, Final Gasp, Narc, Reeking Aura, Choke, and Final Gasp. Um, the show will, the fest, I should say, will continue through the 28th and the 29th um, at the Meat Locker and also at uh, QX. Tees. Um, that's the 27th, 28th, 29th. Check all this stuff out at Spooky Fest NJ um, on social media. If you don't like the way I'm coughing, allegedly on some of that, some of that sour diesel like Nora used to say. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore, man. Um, before I get too boomerish, let me stop talking about weed. I appreciate everybody today. Well, I appreciate Tim Lipman, my guest today, and Tom editing this today, man. Um, shout out to all my co-hosts. We'll get you guys. Uh, Get you guys a um a dry erase board or something, man. Um, no, I'm just kidding, man. Um, check out that Afterbirth album uh, on Willow Tip Records. Very proud to be working with Willow Tip Records. It's an honor and a privilege. In but not of is the name of the new album produced by Colin Marston. Uh, another one. Uh, as the no, that's not the end of the show. Um, another one, as they say, uh, as we me and Colin Marston say. We usually, after after I record an album at Colin Marston's studio, we usually take a helicopter um, to a steakhouse, and uh, he, well, he gets the salad, but, you know, we you know we say another one, just like DJ Khaled does. Um, but no, thanks to everybody, man. We appreciate the support with all that stuff. We're trying to get Afterbirth out on the road. We're talking right now behind the scenes, trying to get a couple of my bands out on the road next year. Um, shout out to everybody, man, trying to, trying to make things move. Hoping for some snow this year so I can stay home. Uh, a lot from work, man. And plot, plot out more podcasts. Catch up on this thing, man. We just caught up. We we, we dropped two new Patreons on you guys, man. I, I recorded um, an interview with my father before he passed away several months ago. Um, it was supposed to be the first part of several interviews. It ended up being ended up being a one shot deal. Um, but I recorded a biographical interview with my father up through his time in the military. That's up on our Patreon right now, as well as. Um, a time a time long ago when I had co-host. No, I'm just I'm really just playing guys. I love you guys. Ian and I have a little discussion uh about animal things. Um not not professional wrestling, like real animals. We talk about livestock and dogs and stuff. That's that's also on the Patreon. I'm trying to catch you guys up to speed on that, man. Two dollars, one dollar, dollar fifty, whatever you got helps out with the production costs. We do save all the money that goes to Patreon um, and use it specifically for production costs for Heavy Hole Podcast. So, with that in mind, I just want to say um, thanks again to everybody. To check out Carcosa. Thank you to Tim Lipman. Um, thank you to Tom, my uh, loyal. Uh, uh, podcast producer always behind the scenes and justin justin catching those big fish uh fish good ny for all your fishing gear purposes he's got merch now um uh for all those people that were that, that caught us on the reeking aura shows this summer and we had the homemade fishing lures that's fish good ny you could check him out on instagram he's out there living the dream catching the fish doing the damn thing um the other day he the other day i saw him out there he had a big one 